Hello and welcome to Genderator. I'm your host, Jennifer Sanfilippo. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Clay Asborn, president of True Insights Consulting, an executive and performance coaching firm that focuses in the areas of organizational effectiveness with a special interest in helping organizations or individuals address specific performance challenges. After more than 25 years in the corporate, education, and government sectors, Clay brings a rich mix of corporate senior leadership and academic wisdom to his coaching and consulting practice. He has been recognized for his talents in the areas of executive coaching, leadership development, and organizational effectiveness. Many of my listeners will recall Clay was a Vice President of Human Resources and Talent Management for Bausch & Lomb, a global health and eye care company. He also led the human resource divisions for the company's research and development organization and its diversity and inclusion functions. During his tenure in those roles, Bausch & Lomb received national recognition for many of the programs under his leadership. I'm only giving you a tiny snapshot of Clay's accomplishments and credits to his name. Please check out my website at genderator.com to learn more about his vast experience and accomplishments and to link to his site. Welcome, Clay. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning, Jennifer. It's wonderful to have you on this brisk morning <laughs> in Rochester. Brisk Rochester morning. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, you've had quite an interesting career. What uh, what aspect of you of your career has been most enjoyable? Would you say? Well, most of my career, I've worked uh, with people, helping people to be better. <laughs> at the same time, making myself to be better mm -hmm. in the exchange. Uh, between people and myself. Um, my work has been in the criminal justice system, it's been in, in high-level uh, county government, it's been in state government, in, and my last um, formal years of working um, was um, in an organization that was at Bar Shalom for 18 and a half years. Mm -hmm. So I've had a relatively diverse uh, background in terms of the, the career, mm -hmm. but in terms of working with people, that's been consistent. Mm -hmm. um, throughout my career. Mm -hmm. And as an executive coach these days, are you finding uh, certain patterns or, or um, repeat questions or problems that either executives or organizations are bringing to you? Yeah, of course, the problems that I see relates to stress, relates to the sense of um, uh, levels of engagements in organizations, uh, uh, relates to the questions around how to uh, be successful in a much more diverse, demographically diverse mm -hmm. um, organizations as they exist today. Um, the, 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 the stress of um, more interaction with communities where businesses are located. So mm -hmm. just the whole range change and the whole question of um, living in a world where there's what, what we call white water of change. It's, it's like being in a yacht, mm -hmm. right, where you're continually dealing with very high waves and mm -hmm. low waves. And so uh, the question of how to manage change personally as well as, as how to help organizations um, be successful um, in the, the fast-paced change and the questions of technology, mm -hmm. how to adapt to technology within the fast-changing pace of organizational needs um, um, is a challenge for most of the people that I coach. Mm -hmm. What have what are the differences that you say you see say from twenty years ago to today? Well, well, twenty years ago, people got a job and they stayed with that job. The company or the agency was loyal to you in terms of uh, your work benefits and and ensuring that you maintain your your job. 
Um, I think these days uh, companies aren't loyal to people and people have learned that they can't be too loyal or committed mm -hmm. to any one particular organization. So we call it, um, especially in the millennials, they've learned to be what we call you Inc meaning that they're their own corporations oh, and they lend them outsource themselves to other organizations for time mm -hmm. and so there's not um, the, the issues around loyalty and commitment that, um, that that kept us in one place for a long time the average um, job tenure of um, younger people today is uh, two three four years mm -hmm. um, in, my, in my days uh, People uh, worked to get the watch after 30 years and 35 years, and uh, so so that's changed dramatically in this in this work mm -hmm. environment that we have now. And how are leaders preparing for that dynamism? Um, what have you seen uh, to be effective strategies to sort of ride that? that white water on a surfboard rather than in a yeah. yacht, right? Yeah, that's right. That's, that was the wrong word. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's correct. That's right. Mm -hmm. you know, well, um, more uh, training and development around change management, um, uh, helping people to become parts of virtual teams, um, um, doing more job rotations, uh, the needs of the, the talent needed for people in the workplace today what those needs are changed quickly. Mm -hmm. So having people with uh, multiple competencies and skills in different areas, so allowing people to move from one work environment to another within the same organizations, mm -hmm. just helping people be more resilient, more flexible, mm -hmm. um, are, are competencies uh, that are becoming more and more important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's got to be a challenge for people who are mid-career at this stage or later yes. in their career. I was reading uh, online um, this story about how uh, new people into the marketplace are quickly looking for promotion, like after six months, mm -hmm. or or higher level projects, or advancement in some way, or title change, yeah. mm -hmm. and how their supervisors are, are just sort of stymied by that because they don't want to lose good people, they're trying to put energy into training these people up, yet they're, they're so quickly looking for uh, some kind of, it's almost like a, a, a career stimulation yeah, earlier yeah. Than, than we would yeah, expect. Yeah, and one of the, one of the uh, techniques being used today would be what we call broadbanding, mm -hmm. meaning that since the opportunities for more and more people to get promoted is becoming less in, in the current workplaces that we have, uh, broadbanding allows people to, to get more pay raises at the same time, more experiences at the same levels, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So rather than have to get promoted to get a new experience mm -hmm. and have more responsibilities, mm -hmm. you can give people more experiences through job rotations, through assignments, short-term assignments, mm -hmm. um, sometimes even in global companies, having people go, go overseas for a part of their mm -hmm. job experience and returning. Mm -hmm. um, so finding more innovative, creative ways to keep people um, interested in the company without having to have them move them up on another level mm -hmm. um, for, for that to occur. Interesting. One of the topics I wanted to talk about with you is the subject of identity covering. So mm -hmm. this is a good segue because 
as organizations talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in terms of creating inclusive environments to, to welcome more of people's creativity uh, and tapping into their full capacity, the issue of identity covering becomes um, more present and is rising in both importance and, um, and need from, from the diverse populations that uh, companies are, are hiring to stay competitive in the marketplace. And so I was wondering if you could talk about what exactly is identity covering um, and why it's important and how organizations are responding to it as an issue. Well, um, there are different ways people define identity covering. For our conversation, maybe you want to tell me how you want, want to define it for this conversation. For me, it would be how do people bring their different identities and be able to express them in the workplace and still be successful. Mm-hmm. Identity covering sometimes is the reverse of that, where you have to uh, cover your, your identity your own authenticity in order to be successful in the work environment. So Mm -hmm. the question here for me would to you would be your definition of identity covering is that um, aligned with with how I would define it? I would agree with you Mm -hmm. and I think of examples. I'll think to give you a personal example. Sure. Mm -hmm. When I um, transitioned out of working for the government to working in uh, corporate America, Mm -hmm. I uh, didn't ever put any pictures of my family up in my workspaces. I didn't talk about my family. I almost Mm. pretended like they didn't exist because I was really afraid that the idea that I had children would work against me for Mm. either projects or or advancement or even travel, you know, and that was a a very real and deliberate decision on my part. So mm-hmm. when you're hiding parts of yourself because you're afraid that it's going to work against you in some way, right. you have to wonder how much of your capacity isn't being tapped into. Exactly right. Yeah. And the studies have said uh, in the last five years that they've found an association between the levels of engagement of employees and productivity and profitability. For a long time, that, that association was not made as directly as it is these days. And uh, so to the extent that someone can bring their authentic self to work mm-hmm. um, and not spend expend energies around identity covering mm-hmm. or not being themselves, is to the extent that companies can harness that freed energy, mm-hmm. right, to um, achieve higher engagements and profits for the company. Mm -hmm. And so identity covering becomes extremely important. So culture, Mm -hmm. the culture uh, that that is more accepting of diversity of thought, diversity of uh, presence, Mm -hmm. um, diversity of styles, all of those cultures that can be built um, to be effective in those areas uh, is to the extent you can reduce the need for identity covering for women, for people of color, Mm for people who come from outside the United States, people who are lingual minorities, mm-hmm. whatever those differences are to the extent that they can bring those to work and see it as a contributing factor mm-hmm. to the success of the company, mm-hmm. it's a much more effective way to organize and run a company mm-hmm. today. It used to be that people wanted to assimilate so quickly. Mm-hmm. I remember stories my mother would tell about my grandparents who were Polish would never admit that they were Polish. 
Right. You know, they they said they were American, mm-hmm. and it was very important not to be different, not to be ethnic, mm-hmm. so that they would get jobs, when um, and not be discriminated against in mm-hmm. any way. When our oldest was born, we named him Giacomo, which is an Italian name, and my mother-in-law. The very first thing she said was, you can't name him that, he'll never get a job. Mm-hmm. You know, so that idea of, of assimilating and being the same was so important mm-hmm. at one time, especially, I think, to immigrants and refugees. Now we're seeing that same doesn't differentiate you at all in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And same thinking and same acting in the workplace Gives you stale, can give you stale ideas. Isn't mm-hmm. doesn't lend itself to creative problem solving. Right. Mm-hmm. But I I see us in a in an age where we're sort of conflicted there, where people are still afraid to bring their whole selves for that creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. Yet some people recognize how valuable it is. Yes, innovation uh, results from connecting things that look differently, oftentimes are different together to get a different result. And I think that what differentiates United America from most of the world is the level of innovation that we've been able to achieve. And I believe we continue to get better at that. I can recall in the, the stories in the early 70s, right, with IBM, where IBM was um, considered one of the top companies for hiring diverse people, people of color. But what they did is that they um, required that that diversity behave the same, dress the same, uh, present the same. They even told them that when they're doing presentations that the PowerPoints had to look the same. And um, the story goes that IBM lost a lot of its, its innovative culture that they had. And as you know, the IBM kind of really, really went on there for a while, and they were the first company that came back and started a business casual, for example, mm-hmm. as a proxy for openness to differences and diversity. Mm-hmm. And the other story I recall hearing it was at Kodak, where, where Bill Gates, right at the time, had a beard, and was yeah, it was. Bill Gates went to, um, to, sorry, it was Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs went, went to, to Kodak and wanted to partner with Kodak at the time. And Kodak had the film industry that was uh, reigning the world and could never understand that the idea of focusing on software and, and blending those two things together would bring them a higher level of innovation. Mm-hmm. And that potential partnership didn't, didn't occur. What would have been would have happened to Kodak today if they understood those two unrelated things could could bring a, a, an innovative uh, innovation levels that we can't even imagine today. Today, um, that company is called Apple. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. a great story. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a great example too. And many and many many more examples like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was Bill Gates they said who went to IBM. Oh. Okay. Um, and that um, he and his four for um, partners at the time, I understand, went and tried to convince um, IBM that they shouldn't focus on hardware. You know, at the time, the computer hardware was, uh, was reigning, and uh, that software was more important. Mm-hmm. 
they, again, that they didn't um, uh, buy into that. And some people say the way uh, Bill Gates and his people looked at the time uh, was one of the barriers to them collaborating. And again, the difference was that now we have Microsoft that's reigning and IBM, while they're coming back, still is not the company they would have been if they understood the, uh, how to innovate with people who have looked different, thought differently, and saw the world in a different way. So all of that in some ways relates to um, accepting uh, differences, accepting diversity, accepting um, styles that uh, may of presentation mm -hmm. that may that may look different in order to to, 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 to thrive in in the business in a business environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what are you seeing companies do to uh, try to um, create? An environment where people can bring them. Well, their companies stuff. today, we we do networks. Um, we do what they call affinity groups. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing a whole lot more surveying, um, meaning engagement surveys, mm -hmm. where assessing from individual employees uh, how the uh, culture, how the the processes of the company affects them as individuals mm -hmm. or how it affects their networks within the organization. Um, so it's way, it, they're finding ways to, uh, some people call pick the brains, understand how people are thinking about how the environment and the context of their, of where they work mm -hmm. affects them in their ability to, to contribute to the company mm -hmm. in, in a whole range of um, areas. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a woman speak about um, how often a company will have their their values and their mission stated, mm -hmm. and they will have a very uh, a significant um, uh, uh, attention given to inclusion, creating yes. inclusive environments. Mm -hmm. Yet, often line managers who are uh, very important in implementing mm -hmm. uh, don't uh, pay as much attention because mm -hmm. they're the ones who have you know tight budgets tight right. timelines mm -hmm. you know they're 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 trying to get projects out the door they're trying to manage other things uh, I wonder how um, companies are working with with their supervisors their line managers yeah. to to have inclusion woven into their their day-to-day -day. yeah I would say broadly more and more companies are getting involved with the challenge and opportunities of diversity inclusion and equity mm -hmm. now so sometimes that is just a brand as opposed to an active um, uh, orientation to changing the workplace and changing the work environment one of the challenges for most companies however is once you include those things in your mission and the principles of how, of how you do your work, it's getting the, what we call the frozen middle, mm -hmm. the people who, where the demands are profitability, getting the products out, to understand that managing people and managing the uh, diversity, um, the increasing diversity of people in the workplace is as important as doing the technical aspects of their work, mm -hmm. right? And so um, oftentimes um, 
the middle managers and leave it to the human resources department. Mm-hmm. Some places it's still the personnel department yeah. to manage people. Mm-hmm. And, and today, um, benchmark companies are expecting that middle managers, in addition to doing the technical um, aspects of their work, that they learn to manage people in a much more demographically diverse uh, workplace. Mm-hmm. And that is teaching. Uh, so it's, it's emotional intelligence, helping mm-hmm. them to be more emotional intelligent, um, helping people to understand that uh, differences is a strength. Mm-hmm. How do you manage unmanaged diverse environments tend to create more conflict and more problems. Um, if you can help managers understand that managing effectively uh, diversity can bring them a whole lot better results, all of those things um, are extremely important to changing the culture and changing the demands expected of, um, of middle managers and companies today. Mm-hmm. So it is true that, that oftentimes uh, the, higher, the senior leadership of the company from a um, principles, um, philosophical perspective, embrace diversity, but they are not the ones who can truly implement diversity mm-hmm. in, in an action-oriented environment, and that they, they do not spend enough time and building expectations that middle managers can, can competent, competently uh, manage more diverse workplaces by giving them the skills to do it mm-hmm. and finding incentives um, to in either through compensation or other or other kinds of recognition recognition methods to make it important to them mm-hmm. that that they manage people mm-hmm. and manage diverse people and not not necessarily manage everyone alike mm-hmm. and manage them in ways that individuals or networks of people of identity groups can can feel satisfied and be more engaged in in the in the workplace. Mm-hmm. 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 I really like that term. I never heard it before. The frozen middle. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a right. really uh, mm-hmm. a good way to describe right. it. Yeah, because people below the managers are waiting to to accrue the benefits of a diversity initiative in a company. Mm-hmm. People at the top, philosophically, and from their oftentimes their values, mm-hmm. or they understand the benefits from a either branding or customer perspective. Understand why it's important. Mm-hmm to have uh, uh, the reputation of being a diverse, inclusive, and equitable environment. Mm-hmm. It's the middle managers where the, you know, the, the, the road hits the whole thing where if they can't implement it, it doesn't get done. Mm-hmm. So you have people waiting to get the benefits of it and others who philosophically and in principle agrees, but the work has to be done in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they are often frozen because of overwork, mm-hmm. not understanding change management, mm-hmm. not, not understanding that, that engaging people, incenting people mm-hmm. um, is as important as doing the technical mm-hmm. um, parts of the work, as I mentioned earlier. You must be busy all the time as a consultant. Not all the time, but busy, busy <laughs> enough, busy enough, right. There's mm-hmm. got to be a right, lot of work right. out there busy right enough. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. I hear what people are doing in their organizations, and I think, oh, that's really great. We're making progress. And then other times I hear yeah. stories that would just, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. you know yeah. straighten my hair. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a long journey. You can't microwave diversity and inclusion and equity, meaning that mm-hmm. you can't just snap it and say, I'll put it in the microwave and put it out and it's done. Right. I think it's a journey. Mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. work and so um, oftentimes um, when the first blip occurs or the first problem occurs because of a diversity initiative or a network not doing some of the right things or our alignment with the, the company's mission and all of that that people end it mm -hmm. but I think um, in order to be successful you have to see this as a three to five year journey mm -hmm. in order to get to the place mm -hmm. that um, you that, that we you, that you should feel comfortable that you've achieved the goals and objectives that you've set that's really important mm -hmm. yeah. to bring up the fact that, you know, changing behaviors, changing cultures is yeah. not an overnight thing. That's right. And it's also not a one-shot thing. Like, it's That's something right. that you That's have right. to work at continuously. Continuously, yes. And yes. you have to have the patience to, to continue it. That's correct. And there are lots of studies that say that change, significant change, regardless of what the subject is, takes six, seven, eight years to occur. Oh. And so if you put uh, the diversity as an initiative in the context of change management, mm -hmm. it takes the, the, the same six or seven years for that, to, for that to happen. You've been listening to Genderator. I'm your host, Jennifer Sanfilippo. You can learn more about my guest, Clay Osborne, and listen to previous podcasts on my website at genderator.com. That's Genderator with a J. Until next time, take good care. <laughs>